Father God, we give you thanks for the chance to be in this place. We thank you for what's happening across these fields, across in the woods, and all over this campus, God. We thank you, God, that you are moving, that you have have prepared this time and this place, God, and that you have a plan that is right. God, I pray for everybody who's in shouting distance. God, I pray that, uh, that our hearts would be as ready as our minds and our ears are to hear. Father God, I believe that there are people here today whose hearts are soft and ready. Father, even maybe even more so than they realize or know, God, that you're that you're prepared you've prepared them for something that is great. And whether that'll happen here or whether this is just another step along the way in which it might happen here this week, God, I pray that we would hear your voice, God. I pray that we would hear the the cry of our Father who uh, who, who who beckons us by name, who reminds us of how he cares for us, who offers us keys into eternity and life that is full. Father, would you just bless this time as we sit together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So again, uh, uh, my name is Ray Garcia. I'm from Philadelphia. For those who might not know, um, I pastor a really small but really fantastic church back in Philly, and uh, and I, and I believe that God is using it to do some pretty pretty amazing things. And so uh, I'm really excited to be with you. But I just want you to know this is just an extension of of kind of gospel ministry that we're a part of, and. Uh, and you being here at Creation, whether you whether you know whether it's your first time ever being here, or whether you came in with a group and you're used to doing this every year or something like that. Either way, you being here is just an extension of your church, an extension of the gospel ministry that God is doing in your lives. So recognize that uh, that, that this isn't just like a blip, just a one-time thing. That it's just a bigger picture that we're getting to look into just for a minute of of how God is weaving your life together and weaving together the gospel thoughts and ministry that's going forward. I also want to just say one of the coolest parts about speaking back in the woods is you never get to preach where people are laying in hammocks. It just never happens. And so I think you should take pictures of this, go back to your church, talk to your pastors and your youth pastors and just say, hey, like, what would it look like to hang some of these up in the sanctuary? You know what I mean? Like, I think more people would come, more people would hang out. See what I did there? Hang out. See that? That was good. That's dad jokes right there. All right, a couple other things real quick, just get it out of the way. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're, if you're uh, connected to me in that way, you're from my church or you're part of our ministry, just go ahead and put your hand up real high. We want to thank you for being here. Thank you. You're adopted in. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you're here. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. All right, just to make us feel good, too, if you're not, just put your hand up. That's cool. Welcome. Now you're all adopted in, too. That's great. That's really awesome. Um, my whole sermon just disappeared. I hope it comes back. Oh, yeah, there it is. All right, cool. Whew. Romans chapter 5 is where we're at. I hope you're ready. Um, uh, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Romans chapter 5. Like six people. It's good. The rest of you have it memorized. That's awesome. Preparation. Romans 5, starting in the first verse, we're going to go verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to break it down. Therefore, since we have been justified, say that, justified. justified. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Say that, peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access to faith. Excuse me. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also but we also glory in our sufferings. If you've got your own Bible, underline that. If you've got your neighbor's Bible, circle it so they can read it later. Glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, who has been given to us. Verse 6, 
you see at just the right time. I'm going to read that part to you again because we're going to highlight this a couple times today. You see at just the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So I want to start this, this afternoon by saying this. God shows up all the time at just the right time. I'm going to say it again. You're going to write it down. You're going to tweet it to yourself. You're going to make sure you remember it. God shows up all the time at just the right time. See, I, I want to defeat the lie that you're entering into even before we begin today, which is that God doesn't care enough to show up in the muck of your circumstances. God doesn't care enough to show up in the difficulty that you're a part of. God doesn't care enough to show up in the broken relationships that you're in. God doesn't care enough to care about how things are going for you in school or who's paying attention or not paying attention to you. God doesn't care enough to get down into the dirt that you're in. I want to say it again. God shows up all the time at just the right time. He'll never be early. He'll never be late. He shows up all the time at just the right time. Now, I need you to hang on to that because we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But you got to hang on to that premise that God will show up at just the right time. Can I get an amen to that? All right. Now, look, if you're struggling with that and you're like, you know, I'm saying amen because everybody else is saying amen. That's cool. Nobody knows your heart. You, you can hang on to that. But I'm speaking a truth to you that I ask you to, to, to just go before the Lord with. God, will you really show up in my stuff? God, will you really show up in the things that I've been a part of? God, will you really show up in the darkness that I don't want anybody to know about? Will you really show up in the thoughts that are running through my mind? Will you really show up in the patterns and the behaviors that I haven't been able to let go of? God, will you show up? And will you promise not to be late? Our world is hurting. Let me speak to the adults who are here. If you're a student, if you're, if you're younger than me, that's, that's most of you. So let's go. When you sit this close to the preacher, you can't talk like that because I can hear you. <coughs> He's making fun of me for being old. Our world is hurting, amen? Let me just talk to the adults in the room. Our world is hurting, amen? Let's be honest. Come on, come on, come on. If you can't be honest, you can't expect students around here to try to listen to the gospel. If you don't know that our world's hurting, you're either absent or dead. All right? Our world is hurting, amen? amen. This is probably the most divided time that our country has ever experienced. At least it is the most divided time that our country's experienced in my lifetime and maybe the most divided time that our country's ever experienced as a whole. Our world is hurting. And I ain't pointing any fingers. I'm just acknowledging the fact that we're a part of something that is broken. And it's broken because people are broken. It's hurting because people are hurting. It's divided because people are divided. And, and really, the reality is we're looking to everybody else outside of the church 
to try to find the answer that can only come through Jesus Christ. We're trying to look to the world. We're trying to look to our government. We're trying to look to our neighbor. We're trying to look to a friend. We're trying to look to everybody except our Lord to try to heal the broken. So, yeah, there's division and there's hurt and there's brokenness. We're living in a society that is polarized and, and our faith at times is shaken as a result. You probably heard people saying things like, I'm not sure I can be a part of the Christian church anymore. And they had a whole plethora of reasons why they thought that. Our faith is shaken because of the hurts and the division that exist in our world around us. I want to suggest to us right here, to everybody who's here today, that you hold the keys to an unparalleled answer. You hold the keys to an unparalleled love that only God can offer. And that love grips us tighter than anything can shake us from. That love engages us more fully than anything can break us off of. And that love, check this out, that love abruptly aborts us from the wrath that is ahead of us. Now, if you don't know what I'm saying, that's why you didn't say amen or you were just sleeping. So let's wake everybody up. Let me say this last part again. That love that only God can offer us abruptly aborts us from the wrath that is due us. You are a part of the brokenness that's around us. I hate to be honest with you and step on your toe like that. But if you're looking around and saying, whose fault is it? Let's just start here. Selfie. Right? You're a part of it. You know how I know that? Because we're all a part of it. You know how I know that? Because the scripture said so. None of us is righteous, not even one of us. That every one of us has chosen the wickedness of our heart in our own way. And that God demonstrated his love for us in that. While we were all jacked up, he expressed his love to us. So the scripture we just looked at starts here. It says, uh, therefore, since we have been, what's that word? Come on, come on. I'm in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been, come on, come on. Wake your neighbor up with this. Come on, declare it so those other woods get up and say, hey, what are, what are they talking about over here? Therefore, since we have been, justified. yeah, 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 yeah. This is something to be proud of. We have been justified through faith. Now, what, when we think about the idea of being justified, I like this idea. The, the, the concept of justification is this, that we've been made right. How many of y'all firstborn? You're the firstborn. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. Hold on, hold on. Only born doesn't count, right? That doesn't count. That doesn't, that's not a bad thing. It's just it won't, it won't follow the analogy. You're the firstborn. You're the firstborn. There's ones that came after you, right? Come on, put your hand up high if you're the firstborn because you understand this. So if you're the firstborn, most often in life it's true. You're right. However, however, and this is where you're really going to say amen. If you're the firstborn and there's a secondborn, they often get pointed to as if they're right, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mom shows favorites to the secondborn, doesn't she? Amen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All the firstborns are like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. How many, who's the secondborn? Uh-huh, you're like, mm-mm, 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 right, right? So check it out, check it out. The concept of justification, we all, we all love this idea. The idea that, that we were wrong, we were wrong, we were what? We were wrong. We were messed up. We were jacked up. You were placing whatever language you use on your block. In my block, that's when we might say something like that. We were wrong. We were messed up. We were jacked up. And while we were jacked up, God said, I'm going to make that right. Now, look, I walk around feeling pretty good about this idea. God, you love me enough to think of a way to make me right? Like, 
It's not just in my mind I'm right. God, you're actually going to make me right? You're going to allow me to stand before you in a way that is right, that is righteous? Now, that doesn't mean, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't go back to your youth pastor, your mom, your dad, or whoever brought you here and say, hey, I can do whatever I want because God's going to make me right. It's not that. It's not that. It's not, it's not like a, hey, like we'll, we'll wash over those things, you know, like, like as, as if, you know, if you, you go the wrong direction, that God still somehow says, oh, yeah, that's the right direction now because you went that way. It's not that. It's not that. It's that there's a love for you that is greater than the mess that you just got yourself in. And that's when he makes us righteous. So we're justified. We're being made right or righteous. And I love this part. It says that we might be at peace with God. Now, I didn't think about being at peace with God for a long time, but recently I've been thinking a lot about this idea, this concept of being at peace with God. Well, why do I need to be at peace with God? Let's start with that. Why do we need to be at peace with God? I mean, God doesn't, like, show up in my room and say, hey, God, Ray, I'm mad at you. You know, like, what does peace with God even mean? Maybe uh, Maybe you've had these moments where you've, had those restless nights. Anybody ever have a restless night? Like you laid down. Come on, come on, come on. Put your hand up high. Testify this. You laid down. You laid down and you thought you were going to go to sleep. And just seemed like there was like scene after scene that was just going through up here. Right? And you're just like, you wake up in the morning. You're, you're a little bit like angry about it. You're like frustrated. You're angered by it. You feel like you're, you're, something heavy was laid on you. You're like, man, that just stinks. We need to be at peace with God. No, not, not, not all the time. Some of the time, you just need to not drink caffeine before you go to bed, all right? Some of the time, you need to not play Fortnite so late into the night. But, but for some of us, we're just recognizing that there's something that God is saying, hey, I'm not going to let you rest until we work this out. We're going to work this out. How many people here married? Married. Married. Good. My son just put his hand up. He's seven. You don't know this, son, but we've already picked out your wife. We've arranged it. Anyway, so uh, how many people here are married? You're married. Come on, put your hand up high if you're married. Put your, all right, it, this will be better. Put your hand down. If you're single, don't say amen and look around. Just, just want to see who's... All right, so look, 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 if you're married, you'll understand this, right? You know, you know what it's like, right? You, you, you're getting ready. You know, you come home from a long day at work or whatever, whatever your day holds, and it's nighttime. You're sitting down to have dinner. Hey, come on over here. Come on over here. Right here, right here. All right, you, you, you're coming home to have you're coming home to have dinner, and you know you sit down at dinner, and somehow something gets said at dinner time, and and you realize that now you're chewing on your shoe. Come on, come on. Can I get? I'm not the only one, right? Can I get an amen? Guys in the room, just say, guys in the space, just say amen. amen. Come on, make me feel good. It's a bro code, okay? All right. So look, look, look. You know, so somehow, you know, you something happens. You're just like, man, I wish that didn't happen, but you don't know how to backpedal out of it fast enough. Now you're starting to nod. You understand what I'm saying, right? And so then, then we move past dinner, and we move to the cleanup, and now we're ready for bed, and you lay down, and, and, and the bed that's only a twin size could not have a bigger gulf between you. You know what I'm saying? And you lay there, and, and one of you starts to fall asleep, and the other person just wrestles through the night, right? Am I the only one? Am I just confessing? <laughs> Come on, confession's good for the soul, but somebody else confess it with me, all right? Come on, you've had a restless night, Yes? Yeah, you know, you, you laid next to your wife, and you're just like, man, I just wish that didn't happen. And, and now you're just like beating yourself and your mind up over about it. And this idea of being at peace together, that same concept is true for our Father, who isn't laying next to us, but is always with us. 
to, to our Father who never shows up late and is always present and on time. Our Father who desires what is best for us, but something gets in the way at times. And so I've been thinking a lot about this idea about being at peace with God. In a time in which the world is so divided, where can we find peace? Man, how would it, great would it be to be able to just say, God, you're satisfied with this moment. In the midst of whatever is going on, God, you're okay with this moment. You're okay with my response. You're okay with my, 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 my attitude. You're okay with whatever I offer. You're okay with whatever I'm thinking. You're okay. Like, we are as one. Now, look, go back to the analogy of the husband and wife. Again, you're married? Come on, come on, come on. It's not just to make sure you're awake. I just, I just want to know. Come on, hands up, hands up. Now, I want to see you nod if I get this right. There are times when you move in unison, amen? No? Pre-marital uh, marital sessions are going to be down there. We'll, we'll do some counseling. There are times when you just get moving together, right? Like, so yeah, yeah. You're thinking the same way. You're kind of on the same wavelength. Like, you, don't, you know, you complete each other's sentences kind of thing. That's just in Disney. All right, well, look, look, it should be. It should be. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in the 13th verse, this is what the Word of God says. It says, And you also were included in Jesus Christ when you heard, everybody grab on your ear, grab on your ear, pull on your ear. Come on, let me see your hands moving. I, I do this to make sure you're awake. That's good. There you go. If you, if you don't want to grab your ear, grab your neighbor's ear. Everybody feels closer now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, all right, all right. Somebody licked their finger. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right, so look, look. And you also were included in Jesus Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit that is guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, so, so Paul is saying to the church that, that something in your life changed when you heard the news about Jesus' love for you. And when you believe that, 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 that the promise of God came over you and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit, that you were claimed, that you were adopted. These are all, these are all biblical terms that, that uh, the New Testament writers will use to, to kind of talk about being in the family of God. I guess what I'm trying to say, this idea of being at peace with God is super important because it, it means there's something about our lives kind of rolling in the same direction. It means that we're moving in step together. Sometimes I'll pray this prayer. God, don't let me be ahead of you, but don't let me be too far behind you either. Think about that for a second. God, don't let me be ahead of you. I don't want to ever show up. Now, look, don't dig too deep on my prayer time, okay? But don't, don't try to get over theologically, theological on me. But God, don't let, me, don't let me get ahead of what you're doing. But don't leave me too far behind either. Like, I want to be moving in your direction when you're moving there. You follow me on that? Let me see a nod or a, thank you, thank you. The one charismatic person in the room, thank you. Thank you, I heard an amen over there, that was great. You feel this, like I wanna be moving in the same direction that God is moving, or maybe I wanna be moving in the direction that God has moved me. Why? Because he's made me one with him. He's called me to be at peace with him. He has justified me. He has, he has said, Ray, you are more righteous than you understand because I am the righteous one who died on your behalf. Not because of what you've done, not because of who you are, but because of what I've done and who I am. And now because of whose you are. Justification, this idea of being bought by God, this idea of being made right before the Lord. Uh, it brings about two things. How many things? Two things. Come on, stay with me. It brings about two things. The first thing that it brings about is that idea of being 
at peace with God. But the second thing it brings about is this. It brings about access to God's grace. Access. Say that word. It's a fun word. Access. Say it again. Now, this is a fun word for a couple of reasons. Number one, it just kind of sounds funny when people are saying, you're like, what did he just say? If you, if you stop listening halfway in between, you're like, what's he saying? Access. you got to say the whole thing together. Bring out access to God's grace. This idea of access. I think about access a lot because, you know, like there's a lot of times there are things you don't have access to. Just, just, uh, just, just today, I was, uh, I was sitting at my table in, in, in our little camper, and, uh, and my daughter, I and mean, she, she's amazing. She's the cutest girl sitting over there. Uh, yeah, that's her. That's perfect. Everybody knew. Look to the cute one. That was right. That's her. And so, um, so, uh, so she wanted something that was on the top shelf in our in our camper, but she's little. And I was ready to say, hey. Just get it. Just reach up and get it. But I realized she doesn't have access. She can't get it. She can't get it on her own. Absence of something or someone helping her, there's no way for her to get what's up there. And this idea that we have access to God's grace. I mean, think about this for a second. Absent of God's hand on the situation, there is no way for you or for me to have access to the Father. We can't. Where can we go? What can we do? You mean if I stand up straight enough, if I act right enough, if I, if I, speak, if I speak correctly enough, if, you know, if I study hard enough, if I, if, if I lament enough, if I, if, if, if I, if I forgive enough, I mean, what do I need to do on my own to have access? I can't. But being justified by God, being made right by God, he grants me access. I have an appointment. I've got a regular visitation with the Father. I, ha I have direct line of, account uh, 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 of connection to God. Matter of fact, I, I, I sit in a spot of accountability to the one who determines what I need to be accountable for. You follow that? If not, write that down and hang on to it for later access. So those two things that come from this, this uh, being justified, and that's we have peace with God, but then we have, we have access. Now let me, just, let me just abruptly kind of footnote something right here. Some of y'all bought a lie. I'm going to tell you what the lie is you bought. You bought the lie that your access was only to the eternal side. That, that, that your access to God meant that you were going to get out of hell and get into heaven. Now that's not a lie. You will get out of hell to get into heaven. That's true. Amen? If you don't know about that, let's talk about that for a second. There ain't no good news if there ain't some bad news, right? The bad news is we were all damned to be heading somewhere we didn't want to be. And the good news is through the love of God and the justification of our souls, we have an opportunity to have access to the heavenly side. But let me just give you some even greater news. The access to the heavenly side also comes with an immediacy, right? Heaven just doesn't, eternity doesn't start once we close our eyes. I hope you're paying attention to this. You see, the problem with the church today, the reason why we're living in this time of great division, in part, not in whole, but in part, is because we bought a lie that, that, that the better life was meant to happen after we die. Right? That, that we weren't supposed to, the life here wasn't supposed to change. That, 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 so what's going on here wasn't supposed to reflect 
what eventually will be a part of on the eternal side. You see, I want to begin to pray that the heavens would come near. I want to begin to live in a way that, that God would say, man, that's what I planned for eternity for all y'all. I'm glad you're getting a taste of it now. I want to begin to love my neighbor in such a way that they experience the heavenly touch while they're on the earthly side. Because if they don't experience the heavenly touch while they're on the earthly side, they're not going to experience the heavenly touch at all because they're going to be on the other side. Oh, I hope you're paying attention. I hope you're with me. All right, let me let me keep going here real quick. So um, the go, going back into Romans chapter 5, it says this is a uh, Verse, uh, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Now, look, I, I don't know what Paul was thinking about when he wrote this. In a, and honestly, um, you know, if there's some verses that you want to just take out, this might be one of them. Like, you just scratch this out. Like, I, how many of us really glory? We really get excited about times getting difficult. Come on, come on. Like, just, just shout it out if you're, like, excited when things get hard. Because I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out because it rained yesterday while we was here at creation. And there wasn't anybody over the age of five who was excited about that. Okay? And I don't know who that kid is. <laughs> it looks like me, though. There wasn't anybody over the age of five who was excited about it. Everybody looked up there like, God, I'm trying to be at the creation thing. Could you keep the rain away? You wasn't glorying about any suffering in that moment. You weren't excited about things that weren't so swell. You were like, yeah, this is awful. And then it stopped raining and the sun came out and everybody looked up to the heavens again. Hey, God, I'm trying to be at this creation thing. Could you put the sun away? And I just laughed because I think God looked back at y'all and just said, make your mind up. Just come on. I give you the rain, you don't want it. I give you the sun, you don't want it. It gets dark at night and you want the light out. Like, I mean, just come on, what do you want? But Paul says that there's something about finding the peace of God in the midst of the storms of life. That there's some glory in this. And he says if we can find that, then the pain of that moment leads to perseverance. And the perseverance through that moment leads to character. And the character leads to hope. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I believe there's somebody here who's going through some stuff. Maybe they're in the midst of a dark season. Maybe they're in the midst of relationships that aren't going right. Maybe they're concerned or they're broken about things that have gone wrong. And I want to say this. Hang in there. Be present. Seek the Lord. Look for the peace of God in the midst of a circumstance that makes sense for you to say, I don't know. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm just, I'm sorry for whatever I said. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm disappointed. See, the truth of the matter is this. If we will find, if we will seek, we will find the peace of God in the midst of those storms. I remember when Hurricane Katrina hit, some friends of mine, uh, we, we jumped on a plane and we headed down to New Orleans to, uh, to be a part of, you know, like trying to do some, some rebuild work. And it was pretty fantastic. We loved while we were down there. But one of the things that I thought was absolutely amazing is I watched people whose lives were falling apart, literally. I watched people whose houses had just floated away. I watched people whose everything they had was gone. And some of those people felt hopeless, for sure. But what set apart the people who felt hopeless 
and the people who were a part of the church was they saw in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their absolute devastation, they sought after and they saw the peace that only God can bring. I remember people coming up to us and saying, thank you. And I was like, thank you for what? Because I came down here and hammered a nail or because I, I, I picked up some trash and I put it on the side? Like, don't thank me. Don't thank me. What, what, what good did I do? They saw the peace of God in the midst of a devastating situation. And they were excited that God would shed hope or light in that moment. Now, they're clapping over there, so either he said something great or they're, they're finishing up. But I got a little bit more, so we're going to keep going. Is that all right? Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Look, so here we go. So remember I told you we were going to step back on this a couple of times, and I said this. I said, God shows up. Come on, guys, come on. God shows up. And God shows up all the time at just the all right, look, 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 I want to, I'm going to put this out there. Most of y'all white. Most of y'all white, and most of y'all go to white church. And so when I just did that, you were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So if you ain't white, or if you've ever visited some other church that ain't white, you'll understand this. Let's do it again. Let's do it together, okay? God shows up at just the, there you go. Now, look, you can go home and be like, yo, we did church. We did church. You say, Pastor, we did church something different up there. That was cool. I titled this message today that, that, uh, The Compelling Love and, and it's, I want you to get this This message is not about us doing better It's not about our It's not about us you know, being strong enough to change The things of our life God's love for us has been poured out Into our hearts This is what Paul says So that there be no shame or guilt Let me say that again God's love for us has been poured out Paul says it's been poured into our hearts that there would be no shame or guilt. Some of us are living with stuff that we're that we're shackled to. We're tied to it. We you know we're living in a spot where we're ashamed of things we've done or things we said or or the or, or the way in which we've responded to something. Some of us are hanging on to things that we feel guilty for as if it was hanging over our head. And I want to say this: there is no shame, there is no guilt. But Paul also says there is transformation. Oh, you see what I just did right there? There is no shame, there is no guilt, but Paul also said there is transformation. In other words, we don't just sit there in that forever. We don't have to have it hanging over us, but we do have to, cons we do have to surrender it to the Lord that he might transform it. The, you know, the, Paul says that, that we are being transformed. We no longer conform, but now we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that, so that what? We might know his will might know the will of God his good pleasing and perfect will I hope you got that so so we want to let go of the shame and the guilt but we also want to say hey God I, there, there's some areas in my life that, that need to be they need to be transformed they need to be awakened I know that you won't leave me in this I know you're going to show up at just the right time Paul said it was just the right time when God chose God chose. We didn't choose. We didn't say, hey, God, now is the time. You come into the world. You come make this right. God waited for just the right time for the one who invented time, for the one who created time to step into time. And when he stepped into time, he changed all of time. God waited for the exact right moment. And Paul said, at just the right moment, while we were helpless, powerless, he says it twice. While we were powerless, 
Christ died for us. And then he says again, while we were still, come on, what's that word say? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see what Paul did? He equated the word powerless and sinner. Why is that? Why is it? Why is it that while we were still sinners, we were powerless? And check it out. Here's why. Because some of us have sold what is right by God for something else. We've given up all the authority and all the power that God has given us, and we've traded it in for something that's less than. We've taken something that is great and right and perfect and beautiful, and we've, we've sold it for something that is far less. And so while we were powerless because we were trapped in our sin, God said, I won't wait for you to clean it up. I'll come and I'll be a part of making a way. I'll come and I'll be a part of creating an opportunity. I'll come and I'll give you access to something you would never be able to have access to otherwise. Three times at the end of this passage, he uses the word reconciled. And I want to get here as we wrap toward the end. The first time he says this. He says, we were reconciled to God when? While we were lost. While we were lost. Anybody ever been lost? Like literally, you've been lost. I'm going to tell you a quick story about being lost. Just, uh, just two weeks ago, my family, uh, we, we, went, we went camping out in the woods. We're from Philadelphia. We should have thought that that was a problem, but we didn't. We went camping out in the woods. We were on our last day of the trip, and uh, we said, you know, let's create a memory. I'm going to give you a sideways view of this. Let's create a memory. The memory that was created was to go on a hike. I don't hike often, if you can't tell. So we decided to go on a hike. And so we're, we're kind of out there. You know, it's, we got a destination, and we got, we got a, 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 you know, our phone, and it, it has the little you know, GPS thing. It tells us where we're trying to get to, and we're, like, following and navigating up the mountain. And we get about three-quarters of the way up the mountain, and uh, we, we run into a problem. We, we, we have no service. But just like any good father would do, I said, <laughs> follow me, I got this. And so I just keep trekking along. Never hiked in my life. I keep trekking along up the mountain. Now we're getting close to the time when it's time for us to be leaving. And we're just about to the top of nothing because we don't know where we're supposed to be. So finally, common sense sets in and, and the lady of my life says, you know, we should probably turn around. And so we decide we're going to turn around, we're going to follow down the mountain, and, you know, and, and, you know, but all things look the same. Trees are trees, and grass is grass, and we had navigated off the path, and so there was no way of finding our way down. We just knew if we kept going downhill, eventually we'd hit the bottom, and hopefully somebody would find us. And so we start finding our way down the hill, we're coming down the hill, coming down the hill, and finally we realize we are absolutely lost. And so in this moment of being lost, we decide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide and conquer. There's two of us. There's four of them. Kids go off when you're, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't send them off on their own. <laughs> so my wife took the older kids, and they navigated in one direction. And I took the younger kids, and I navigated in the other direction. We're about three-quarters of the way down the hill now. We cannot see each other. We cannot find each other by voice. Our phones are dead. We have no way of connecting to each other. And uh, my kids are looking at me like, um, Dad, are we, we going to make it? You know, and at that point, I just talked to them about the cross. You know, like, hey, just in case. Just in case, let's just talk about eternity real quick. Let's secure that. And, uh, <clears throat> and after that repentant moment, no, I'm just kidding. So we make our way, we're making our way down. And finally, I realized that, that we are actually lost. It's official. We are lost. 
We are not where we're supposed to be. And I realize that because I get to the edge and there's a stream. A stream, which is no big deal, except for the fact I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I can't swim. You weren't with me, son. So I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I can't swim. And so the two older boys are with their mom waiting at the car because they actually navigated their way out. And, uh, and then the rest of us were like, hmm, what are we going to do here? We're lost. And so we just do what everybody else would do. We start screaming for help. You know, like, hey, save me. You know, and we scream as loud as we can, as often as we can, because we were lost. Can I just be honest with this for a second? My story is silly because you know I'm alive, right? We made it. Just real quick, here's what happened. I just picked the kids up, and I was like, kids, um, I hope you make it. I'm going in. And I carried them as high as I could into the depths of the water that only came up to my ankles, but I felt like it was up to my neck. We stretched across the, we stretched across the little stream right there, and we got onto a road, and we flagged down my wife, and we got home. And it was fine. But some of us have actually been lost. Some of us have actually been lost, and we're sitting in the midst of a large crowd, and we still feel lost. Some of us feel lost because of the hopelessness that's around us. Some of us feel lost because the things that we have placed our hope and our trust in let us down. Some of us feel lost because we haven't actually found the right path. And I just want to say to you today, I want to say it as clearly as I can. Jesus Christ came at the right time, at just the right time, that he might give you and me access to the right path. He might give you and me access to the God who says, I love you. He might grab you and me the same way I swooped up my daughter and my son. And he might step into the treacherous waters. Remember, they were up here. He might step into the treacherous waters to help us navigate across. God doesn't leave us because of our mess. He justifies us because of his work on the cross and our trust in what he's done. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this today. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to have the answers that the world is looking for and the hope that you need? Do you trust him to secure you in a situation that you feel like is falling apart? Do you trust him to make right some things that you've stepped into that you wish you could step out of? Do you trust him to give you the way out when things seem too tough? Do you trust that in the midst of this crowd today that he might have actually thought of you when he set this, set this moment in motion? Do you trust him? I'm going to offer us an opportunity to pray. And that prayer that I'm going to offer us is very simple. I'm going to offer us the opportunity to simply give voice to whatever it is that has been hindering that trust. I said this uh, recently in the last couple times that I've been around. I said um, there's a lot of division between the Protestant and the Catholic Church. Amen? If you don't know they say amen to that's okay, but there is. Maybe, maybe, maybe some appropriately so and some inappropriately so, but, but I want to point to something that the Catholic Church does really well. I'm not Catholic, but I want to point to something the Catholic Church does really well. They confess. They confess. 
In the Protestant church, we've kind of become allergic to the idea of confession. And part of the reason because we became allergic to the idea of confession is because now we have this right relationship with God that we're like, hey, I don't need to tell anybody else about my junk. I can handle this with God. Well, that's true. But because we become so distant from confession, check this out, because we become so distant from confession, we've actually stopped confessing to God. We've stopped saying, hey, God, I'm jacked up. We stopped saying, hey, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for the mess that I've made. God, here's what I'm really in that I can't find my way out of. God, I'm on the mountain. I was seeking in your direction. Now I'm lost and I can't even find my way back. And we've given up the right or the opportunity to confess. We've lost that in our relationship, in our connection with God, in our pursuit of godliness. We've lost the moment to confess. Well, I want to restore that moment for you today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a second, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and, and find whatever posture you want to pray. So for those who are in the hammocks, don't stand up because that would be dangerous. But lay is fine. If you want to sit, that's cool. If you need to stand, that's fine. If you need to, if you need to kneel, that's fine. If you want to lay on your face before God, that's fine. But I want to help create a moment here where we can say, hey, God, I love you. And the distance between us at times, I'd love to see that shrink up. So here's some junk I just need to lay out before you. And I'm not going to name your junk. I'm just going to be still. Now watch this. If you are really, really feeling the movement of God, you can just begin to just open your mouth and let the Lord speak as you confess your junk before God. If you're, if you're feeling, the, feeling the movement of God, but you're like, oh, I, I don't trust my neighbor, you can just say it quietly because we still believe that God hears that, right? So you ain't got to confess it to the world, but some of you might need to confess it to the world. Well, we're going to create a moment where we say, hey, God, I want to surrender back to you. I want to give back to you because I want to be right before you. The compelling love of God that chases after us, that pursues us. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that, that God is the great hound of heaven. That he constantly pursues after us. If it wasn't him, it was somebody really smart like him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we, we recognize that, uh, that you love us. We recognize in this moment, Lord God, that you have been doing something great in our midst. God, we recognize that the word of God says that for Christ's love compels us, that it draws us, that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, that you have, you have offered a compelling love, that we are convinced that you died for all, and therefore that every one of us might not have to die but that our sin has died with you. Father God, I believe you desire for us to be reconciled, to be made right, to be bridge builders, to be reconciling with the world. Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians that we have adopted a ministry of reconciliation, that, that we're meant to be, to be uh, bringing back together well, how do we do that? We do that the same way that you did, through a compelling love. So, God, you wooed us. You drew us to the side of this mountain. You drew us into a relationship with you. You've offered us new life. You've justified us. You've made us right before you. Those are all acts of love. Oh, Father.
But there are times that some of our stuff gets into our minds, gets into our hearts, gets into the gets in the way of understanding how much you love us or from living like you love us. So God, this this afternoon, I want to create this spot, spot to just be confessional. And we're not doing this for our neighbor. I'm not confessing my neighbor's junk. I'm confessing mine. But God, here in the peace of this moment, might we find peace with you as we lay out those things that we just need to say I'm sorry for or I can't find my way out of. You say that you've unshackled us, you've untied us, and that you've yoked us now with you because you have a burden that is light for us. So, God, I pray that we would lay down those things that have tied us up and we would take up this light, this, this, this new way that is with you and, and only through you. So, God, hear our hearts as we confess in this moment, be it in the silence of our hearts or be it as loud as, as, as we feel the need to, as we just cry out to you and say, God, take back that stuff that has gotten in my way. Father, we do believe that you make right our ways, that you make straight our paths, God, that you renew our minds, that you redeem our souls, that you redirect us. So, Lord God, we ask that those things would be happening here and now. God, that you would be uh, straightening, uh, you know, making straight the ways in which we'll walk forward. And, Father God, it's not so that we can be upright or or self-righteous, but that we might reveal to the world the compelling love of God that draws us deeper, that calls us by name, that chases us, that pursues us, and that renews us. And we pray these things together in the mighty name of Jesus. And all y'all said? Now look, before you leave here, here's what I got to do. I got to set you up really well, and it's going to take me about 30 seconds, so pay attention to this at the end. You're going to go back to your campsite at some point. You're, you know, if you came with a youth leader or a family member, they're going to say, hey, what would you learn while you are in the woods? And you're going to be like, I don't know. This guy just talked a lot. He had a goatee and a bald head. And he got a really cute daughter. And I don't remember what the rest of it was. He got lost on a mountain one time, stuff like that. And you're not going to know what to do with it. So I want to I want to set you up what to do with it. I want to bring us all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about. Check this out. Our world is divided. And there are platforms that we need to stand up on and voice the hurts that our world has experienced. There are unneeded divisions that we need to bridge the gap over, but the greatest divide that far surpasses any schisms of our day is the schism that has been there of all time, and that is the schism between those who know and those who don't yet know. The schism between believers and non-believers, those who walk with God and those who don't yet walk with God. And so Paul's words are profoundly important when he says we are reconciled to God. Now we have adopted a ministry of reconciliation. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Note these three points so that when you go back to your leaders, you can say, here's what I learned. I'm called to be a reconciler. So I'm asking today 
Is there someone that I need to seek to reconcile with? Is there someone that I need to go up to and say, hey, I got to make right the ways that we've, what, what happened here? I need to say, I'm sorry. I need to say, I didn't mean to hurt you. Whatever it is, that's reconciliation. Is there a leader, not one that we're here with, but a, le- a leader out of the sphere of our influence whom I need to be repentant in my prayer for because instead of praying for, I've been speaking against. And is there a relationship, a relationship that has been blocked because of unconfessed sin that I need to unbind by surrendering what has been hindering my walk with God. His love compels us to be about peace with Him as we reconcile with one another. My prayer for you is that those things would happen this week. My prayer for you is that you would explore and experience the love that God has for you. My prayer for you and for me is that we would be the face of the church that the world would see and say, man, I need to know the God who has informed them. My prayer right now is that as you leave from this place, that whatever God wants you to remember, you would hang on to, and whatever he doesn't, you would let slide away. I believe that God is going to do something great for you. If you're ever in Philly, come check us out. We'd love to connect with you. we got a booth over here in uh, that long building. You can check us out over there. And I'm going to be around here for about five or ten minutes afterwards if you want to talk about it. But may God bless you and may the compelling love of Christ chase after you. In Jesus' name, amen.